Okay, we're actually going to start with the video before we go any further. So I'm going to sit down for a few minutes and watch this. Nothing like a good happy tune, hey? Well, we're in our series on generosity at the moment, and uh, I came across that song this week, Generous Mr. Lovewell by a band called Mercy Me. And really it sums up what we're trying to communicate, what we're trying to get across, that we want to be people who grab the opportunity to demonstrate love and kindness and generosity wherever we are, whatever we're doing, grab the opportunity. And uh, we're looking at this series on generosity, one of our culture traits that hopefully most of you who are part of our church know we're trying to build amongst us so that we live and breathe it and wherever we go, we're taking and demonstrating these traits of integrity and generosity, courage, honour, acceptance and forgiveness. And so we're taking a number of weeks at a time to focus on some of these different culture traits. And at the moment, we're doing this three-week series finishing today looking at generosity. And um, just uh, by way of book recommendation, last time I spoke a couple of weeks ago, I recommended this book. I want to just flag it up again, Money, Possessions and Eternity. I'd say this is the go-to book if you want to be challenged and inspired and motivated with your giving and the way you handle your money and your possessions by a guy called Randy Alcorn. It's got a great section in here, actually. I know there's not many uh, parents in here today, but it's a great section, two chapters in there, about raising your children, your families, to handle money in a godly way. Really, really, really recommend that. Just one quote to whet your appetite. He says this, Money and possessions is an issue of discipleship at the very heart and soul of our walk with Christ, with profound effects for both time and eternity. The way we handle our money and possessions, it's about discipleship, about demonstrating uh, how we understand who God is and who we are to the, the world around us. So in this series so far, the first week we looked at comparing two different cultures uh, and we talked from Haggai, example of uh, the, the very stressed out and unsatisfied consumer. And then we looked from 2 Corinthians, the example of the grateful giver, and I introduced the idea of a generosity scale that many of us are on some sort of scale. Actually, as a church, you know, Liz has already mentioned it, you're amazing givers. You are a generous people. And so it's about nudging ourselves further and further along this generosity scale so that we are really demonstrating through our giving that we have a kingdom view on everything that God has given us. And then last week, Darren spoke really powerfully about cooperating with Christ and this amazing phrase that really struck me and kept coming back to me over this week, where we see lack, God sees opportunity. You know, often we can think, well, just, I have so little, I can't give anything. When I've got to this point, but God says, no, trust me in this. And the example of the, of the little boy with the, the loaves and the fishes, who just gave what he had, and God was able to use it to bless thousands of people. Uh, in a book called Friends Indeed by Don Hawkins, he says this, it isn't what you have that matters, rather what counts is the heart that generosity gives without regard to ability and with every regard for need. It's about seeing a need and thinking, what can I do to help fill that? So today we're going to go back to 2 Corinthians, where we were a couple of weeks ago, 2 Corinthians 9, and uh, just pick up a few verses from there, and then I'm going to pull out guess what, three aspects from it that would hopefully encourage and challenge us on that generosity scale. So, let me just pray before I start. Lord, we thank you for your amazing generosity to us. We thank you for your goodness. 
We've been declaring and singing about it again this morning. As we spent some time having bread and wine, we reflected on the fact that you gave it all. And you continue to give us so many good things every single day. Your mercies and your blessings are new every day. And we stand in awe of your goodness to us. And Lord, will you just help us now as we look at this area of generosity? Will you provoke us and challenge us to reflect more and more who you are to those around us, even strangers, Lord? Let us demonstrate something of your heart, your love. Yeah, Lord, will you speak powerfully to each one of us this morning? Amen. So we're looking at 2 Corinthians 9, and I'm going to pick it up at verse 6. So this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission, flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ, and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So one of these key passages in the New Testament about giving and our heart and our attitude towards it. And I just want to pull out these three areas. So we're going to just a bit of a recap who and how we can go about giving. Secondly, generous ways. And thirdly, hospitality. So first and foremost, who and how? Who should we give to? Well, first and foremost, fundamentally, we give to God. The first fruits should go to him. This is why we have our first fruits Friday. It's in our prayer life. It's in our, our money, in our time, in our energy. We should give to God first and foremost. He is the one who's given us everything. He's our hero. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. Everything we do and give should be unto him. In fact, even any other givings we give to anyone else should be done with an attitude, this is for you, this is for your glory, God. We should give to other believers as well. Our brothers and sisters here and around the world, other Christians. We see there in that uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 12, he says, in supplying the needs of the saints. Saints is just another word for Christians. Hopefully you've got that point. It's not a title given to an elite, the saint is you. If you call yourself a Christian this morning, you are a saint. Those of you who've been doing the Freedom in Christ course should be well aware of that. You are saints. So Paul's saying here, supplying the needs of the saints, it's an expectation that we will support one another through our generosity. And note in this, that as we supply the needs of the saints, it overflows in many thanksgiving to God. 
You know, Emma stood up here and shared a story about how she was so blessed and encouraged by this woman of peace, this teacher. And just by her attitude to Emma, Emma has now brought thanksgiving to God. It's those sorts of acts, you know. The lady may not have even realised particularly, but she was generous in the way she was with Emma, and it's led to thanksgiving to God. So when we bless one another, when we seek to uh, encourage and support whatever it might be, supplying the needs of that other person, we bring thanksgiving and glory to God. But it's clearly expected that we give to other Christians. Romans 12, 13, uh, in fact, I'll lead into it. Verse 9 uh, to 13 says this, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. We've talked about that before when we were looking at honour. Outdo one another in showing honour. What a great competition to have. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Again, Paul writing to the Romans uh, and saying, you know, supply, contribute to the needs of the saints. There should be in there a generosity within the church to one another. But also we're called to be generous to anyone, wherever we go, whoever we're rubbing shoulders with, whoever we meet. There's no limits to who we can be generous with. Our neighbours, our work colleagues, the shop assistant that serves us in Asda, teachers, friends, the person you might pass on the street, the person you sit opposite on the train. The opportunities are endless in how we can be generous, generous to people. If we just open our eyes and, and, and seek to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, how can I bless the people I encounter today, Lord? What can I do? So we're to be generous to God, to fellow uh, believers, but also to anyone we encounter. So how do we go about being generous? Well, we've already flagged up some of these from this passage before. We've heard that we need to be joyful in our giving, that, that God loves a cheerful giver, that we're to be bountiful and, 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 and uh, really extravagant in our gifts, that we're to do it voluntarily, not reluctantly, not with our arm being twisted and put up the back, oh, yes, if I must. But we see here as well in 2 Corinthians 9, there's something about... Uh, giving in a planned way, but also giving spontaneously. You know, it's good to plan. You know, those of you who know me, you know I like planning. I like to have things sorted out, and it's good to, to think through. Now, I want to make sure that I'm giving regularly into different situations, to the church and to other things, looking for those, planning those opportunities in order to be able to budget and to put money aside. That's good. But also, we see here that it's good to be spontaneous. You know, Paul was writing to them saying, make sure you're ready, get ready. But there's also that spontaneous seeing a result. You know, Mumble from Happy Feet, you've got the picture up there. He says, I'm being spontaneous. You know, he gets out there and he dances. He just grabs the moment. There's opportunities we can grab to be generous to people. And it could be in all sorts of ways. It could be all sorts of ways. Do you know, there's great joy that can be had for the giver when there's spontaneous giver, but also the recipient. And I've, I've benefited from both. You know, I personally, when I've, I've received spontaneous gifts from people, and it's given such joy. You know, a while ago, I was not feeling very well, and, and Matt just turned up on my doorstep with this goodie bag he prepared for me of DVDs and sweets and things, and it just blew me away. It's just a spontaneous gift, and it was great. 
Sam turned up at my door with a, a pack of novelty socks for me another day. You know, it's just, it's little things. And I'm not saying, please keep, you know, yeah, if you want to keep them coming, that's lovely. But it just is having received those. I didn't know they were coming. They just, God stirred them to do something. And, I'm, and I hope that you've had similar experiences. It, it's, it's, so, it's such a blessing when that happens. But also to be the giver as well, to know those nudges from God. It's been, it's been great to see it. There's that adventure, that fun side of things. I shared the other week about how God prompted me to give to the receptionist at the doctor's surgery and to see the impact. It was great to do that. Other times God prompted me to anonymously give money to different people. And it's been great fun kind of running up and putting it through people's letterboxes and running away. Those sorts of things. There's, there's joy in, for the giver and the recipient in this spontaneous giving. And thirdly, the third thing I want to say on the list is that it's more than money. You know, we spent these first two weeks particularly focusing on money and being generous with money. But actually, we can be generous in so many ways. The good way to answer what can I give is with another question. What have I got? If you're thinking, well, what can I give? Take a step back and say, well, what have I got? Because if you've got something, you can give it. It's as simple as that. Things you might have that you could give. Yeah, you might have some money that you want to give. Maybe it's some resources, some equipment. Maybe it's something that you have, you only use once a year or something. Why don't you share it around? Let people know. It doesn't have to be a permanent gift. It could be, a, a, you know, lending it or sharing something. Maybe it's food. Maybe you're really great at baking and cooking. Share that with people. Bless people. Maybe it's your time. Maybe you're at a stage in your life where you have a bit of time or flexibility. And you know some people could really just do with having someone draw alongside them, supporting them. You could give it yourself. You know, we celebrated just now about people who are stepping up and serving in church. You could give of yourself and serve in some way, either in church or in the local community. You could give your ears. What do I mean by that? You could listen. You know, sometimes someone just needs to have that generosity demonstrated by having someone listen to them. Just to offload their burdens, to be someone who's prepared to listen, not particularly rushing and saying anything, just draw alongside and listen. What else have we got? Well, you've got encouragement. You can encourage someone. Be generous with your, with your uh, encouragement and your uh, building up, your honouring of someone. You could be generous with your forgiveness. We have been given, forgiven much. We can be generous with our forgiving. We can be generous with accepting one another, with the joy, with the hope, with the peace, with the love that God has showered upon us. If we have it, we can pass it on. What is it we can give? What is it we've got? The list is endless. We've got the good news. Let's be generous with sharing the good news. Let your imagination run wild. You know, PJ, many of you know, one of the elders at King's Arms, who's been here a few times uh, and works closely with us. He blessed and quite a few of us, actually, who went to the leaders' conference the other week, just because he took the time to come and chat to each of us. He wandered round. He gave of his time and his ears just to come and, and listen, wandering around, milling around the hall, sitting down with a people. And it might only have been a, you know, a minute or two, but he was just choosing to be generous. He could have just sat and chatted to his friends, but he was coming and being generous. That's the sort of thing we can do. We can grab the opportunities like that. So secondly, generous ways. Ways in which we can be generous. There are so many. 
Let's be creative and adventurous. Let's look at three particular areas. So firstly, we can be generous in our thought. I don't know whether this has occurred to you, but actually we can be generous in the way we think. Do we give people the benefit of doubt? Do we rush in? Oh dear, it's them again. It's them doing that thing. They're always doing that. Or do we give them the benefit of doubt? Do we seek to find out what's going on in their life? Maybe there's an underlying thing there that actually you could be generous with other ways then. Do you choose to think the best of people? Or are you someone who's always quick to judge? We We can choose to be generous or stingy in our thought life as much as anywhere else. We can be generous in our thoughts. We can also be generous in our words, in what we communicate. We can choose to speak well of others. Do you choose to speak well of people, even when they're not around? You know, do you choose to champion other people and big them up to others? Are you generous? Do you seek to honour and encourage and build up one another? What is it that comes out of your mouth? Are you generous with the words and the phrases you use? Now, I came across this acronym. You can have the next slide, please, Joshua. Some of you would have come across it before. And we've often talked about it when I've heard it before in terms of our speech, but I believe it's any way we communicate. It's a good acronym to think. When you're choosing to post something online, when you're choosing to send someone an email or a text or even speak to them face-to-face, It's a good little checklist in terms of making sure what you communicate is generous. Think, is it true? Is what you're about to communicate, in whatever form it might be, is it actually true? Are you sure it's a fact? Is it true? Or is it just hearsay? Is it gossip? Is it something that someone told you that someone else had told them that had passed around and around and around? Has it been distorted? Is it actually true? And ultimately, is it the truth? We've got the truth in the word of God. Secondly, is it helpful? Is it going to be helpful for that person to read that thing or to hear that thing? Is it inspiring? Is it going to encourage and build up? Fourthly, I think nice is always a weak word. Whenever I was teaching, I said, oh, we don't want nice. But is it nice? Is it, is it necessary, actually? Does it need to be said? maybe would be a better end. Because quite often we think, oh yeah, it's true, yeah, I can share this, but does it actually need to be said? Does it need to be written down? Does it need to be communicated? Is it going to inspire and encourage? And finally, is it kind? You know, yes, we're called to speak the truth to one another, but we're called to speak the truth in love. We need both parts. So the way we communicate, the way we speak or post things or email, whatever it might be, Are we generous in the way we do that, in the way we communicate to other people and the way we communicate with other people? And thirdly, we're called to be generous in our deeds, in our actions. So in our thought life, in what we communicate, but also in what we do. You know, we can get generous with some of our other culture traits. We can get generous with honouring and forgiveness and acceptance. I heard of a brilliant spontaneous act this week that happened within this church. There was someone who was babysitting for someone else, which is incredibly generous and kind in itself to do that. 
But then when this person came home, they discovered that the babysitter had not only looked after their child, but they'd done all their washing up for them as well. Because this person's dishwasher was broken. Now that's, that's just really blessed, this person. Not only had they had a babysitter, but the person had done all the washing up as well. Spontaneous acts. We can grab the opportunities wherever we go. A couple of tools I want to flag up for you that might help you in this spontaneous doing and being generous, these random acts of kindness. First of all, I'm going to get these going around. So I've got here, feel free to take one or pass it on. It's called 40 Acts. And um, this was originally launched as a Lent initiative, hence the 40, one for each day of Lent. But I think it's applicable at any time. And on it is a whole series of ideas of how you might choose to be generous. So if you're thinking, well, what sort of things got to do? These are some ideas. Please feel free to take one, pass it on. It's called a 40 Acts family chart, but I think it's good whether you're a single person, couple or family. There's things on there that could be useful. It's actually an initiative that was launched by an organisation called Stewardship, who process our accounts and do our auditing for us as a church. Um, but they're a Christian organisation and they want to help people in how they handle their money and possessions to do it in a godly way. So on there you will see there's various different things that you can get involved in, things you can try. Some of them take a bit more involvement, a bit more thought. Others could just be spur of the moment. So things like tell a friend something you really like about them today. You know, we can compliment and encourage that's being generous with our speech. Doesn't take a lot. A moment's thought. What is it you appreciate about someone? Give your postman or lady a bar of chocolate. Again, not a lot involved there. It just requires you to have thought about getting a bar of chocolate if you're not someone who has lots of bars of chocolate lying around at home anyway. Make someone laugh. That's another way of being generous. There's all sorts of different things. Some of them involve buying things. Some of them writing notes. Feel free to use it. It's a, just a little tool there to help us in our being generous. Now, something else I want to tell you about. This is kind of a bit of a, a preview, a, a spoiler, if you like, of something that's coming very, very soon to a church near you, namely here. This is an idea we have directly pinched from King's Church Eastbourne. And it's these generosity tokens. In fact, this is one that was pinched from King's Church Eastbourne, but we're going to have ones that look like that, that will be this sort of thing. And the idea is it of this is that we're going to have a lot of to tokens, hopefully arriving in the next week or two, where you can take a handful and decide you want to do some random act of kindness, some generosity act to whoever you choose to. And when you do that act, you give them one of these tokens. Now, our tokens are going to say on it, pass on the kindness, because the idea is that we want to change the atmosphere of our community. Now, we've chosen to put love your community rather than love Hatfield because we appreciate some of you live in St. Albans, some of you live in Welland Garden City, some of you work in London, some of you work in Stevenage, and you can then use this wherever you go. And so you can choose to do, I don't know, buy an Amazon voucher for your next-door neighbour and put it through their letterbox along with one of these tokens. You can choose to pay for the coffee in a Starbucks for the person behind you and leave a token with it. You could choose to put a pound coin on a park bench and see who comes and takes it along with one of these tokens. There's all sorts of different ways. Now, what we're going to do 
is we're also la launching a web page called passonthekindness.org.uk where people can go and get ideas. It's actually going to be a subset of our church website. So when people go to that one, they'll be redirected to a page within our church website. And on it will be loads of ideas of those sorts of things. And so anyone can join it. It doesn't have to be church people, but it could be anyone that has received one of these. Hopefully they will then do an act of kindness and we will pass it on and start to change the atmosphere of this area. We're also going to have an Instagram account for those of you who are into that sort of thing where you can capture what you're doing and we can put that on there to help encourage other people. Oh, I could do that too. So this is just a tool to help you. You know, you might choose to use all sorts of things, but we want to get being generous wherever we go. And so we've ordered 3,000 of these to get us going, okay? And obviously, if we run out of them, we can get some more going. So hopefully, they are on their way. They've been ordered. They should be arriving in the next couple of weeks. As soon as they do, we'll get them here, and you can start using them, okay? But you can start thinking through, well, what might you like to do? How are you going to use the tokens you get to start with? And maybe as they come back around to you, hopefully they will one day, you can think, well, what will I do next time? Let's look for these opportunities to be generous. Bob Roberts, one of the guys who spoke at the leaders' conference a few weeks ago, he said that we need to consider how we can bring value to our local community. We need to go around doing good. And these sorts of things, the 40 Act, the tokens, we help us to see how we can bring value to the local area. And remember, this is what Scripture says. When we are generous, when we do seek to do good, this is what God says. Proverbs 11:25. I quoted it the other week. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. It's exciting, it's adventurous, it's great fun being generous, but also we end up getting refreshed as we refresh others. Psalm 112, verse 5 says, Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. So I want to move on to a final aspect of talking about generosity today, and that's the whole area of hospitality. Because to me, that's a really key part in how we can demonstrate, demonstrate being generous. Hospitality. There's obviously quite a crossover, a link between acceptance and honouring here. As we seek to be hospitable to people, we are demonstrating that we honour them, we value them, but also that we accept them. Romans 12, 13, I've already said, tells us to seek to show hospitality. Hospitality was something that was expected during the early church life, and it was valued as being a good and important thing, and it should be for us too. For some of us, it's easier than others. Some of us find it very easy to be hospitable, to open up our homes, to welcome people. And for others, we have to work a little bit. But we're all called to be hospitable. John Piper says this about hospitality. The physical force of gravity pulls everything to the centre of the earth. In order to break free from earth-centred life, thousands and thousands of pounds of energy have to push the space shuttle away from the centre. There is also a psychological force of gravity that constantly pulls our thoughts and affections and physical actions inward towards the centre of our own selves and our own homes. Therefore, the most natural thing in the world is to neglect hospitality. It is the path of least resistance. All we have to do is yield to the natural gravity of our self-centred life, and the result will be a life so full of self there is no room for hospitality. 
we will forget about it and we will neglect it. So the Bible bluntly says, stop that. Build a launching pad, fill up your boosters and blast out of your self-orientated routine. Stop neglecting hospitality, practice hospitality. Doesn't hold back there, does he? You know, we're all called to be hospitable, but how and where can we show hospitality? Well, first and foremost, in the home. That's the obvious one. It's great to have friends over for a coffee, isn't it? It's great to have mates around for a meal, to hang out, chatting and playing games. And that's good, and that's right. And that is part of hospitality. But God wants us to go further than just having our friends around, those that we feel really comfortable with. He wants us to push further. He wants us to go beyond our close friends and family and to include all sorts of different people. Hebrews 13, 2 says, Let brotherly love continue. So that's, yeah, that's those we know. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. He wants us to push our boundaries. And this is what John Piper was getting at. It's so easy to settle for comfortable, what we're familiar with, those we most closely click with, that doesn't require a lot of effort, but God wants us to push our boundaries and to involve perhaps those we don't so regularly see, those that perhaps we do have to work out a bit, those maybe we don't know very well, and to include them in what we're doing. Wouldn't that be something if we were really living like that? You know, we're called to be family, we're called to be community, but not to the exclusion of others, to be welcoming. When Jesus told the story of the sheep and the goats, you might remember in Matthew 25, he talks about those that had fed him when he was hungry, those who were had given him drink when he was thirsty, those who'd given him shelter. When he was a stranger, they welcomed him. And they said, well, when did we do that? He said, well, when you did it to a stranger, you did it for me. When did we last have someone in our house who wasn't simply a friend? When did we invite someone around who couldn't invite us back? Or at least with us having no expectation that it would be returned. 1 Peter 4 has a great passage about how we should be with one another. Verse 7 onwards says this, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Ouch. As each has received a gift... Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks in oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What you've got there is the context about how we should love one another, how we should show hospitality without grumbling, how we should serve, if we're called to serve, if we should speak, we should do it in a way that is, is God-honouring, all so that God would be glorified through Christ Jesus. So we see there, in terms of hospitality, we're to be happy in our hospitality, not grumbling. It is fun. It is fun to welcome people into your home. You get to hear all sorts of stories from different people. You get to encounter different cultures, different backgrounds, to broaden your horizon. You get to bless other people and see the joy it has on them. 
and you might even make new friends. In this book, Friends Indeed, by John Hawkins, he talks about a family who went what I would consider quite a long way in terms of hospitality. Many of us would be thinking, you know, maybe a cup of coffee, maybe a, a meal. Well, this is what uh, he talks about, this family. They, they chose to welcome some people into their home for a little bit longer, people who actually were due to be homeless. Wayne and Sue and their teenage son, Ed, lived in a beautiful two-story house in suburban Dallas, Texas. Ed had been friends with Steve for many years and was aware that Steve and his brother, Adele, had shifted back and forth between living with one or other of their parents who were divorced and an uncle. One Friday, Ed came home from school and asked his parents if Steve could spend the following weekend with them. Wayne and Sue quickly agreed. Since both boys had spent time with each other on previous weekends, this didn't seem out of the ordinary. By the way, Ed added, almost as an afterthought, there's a chance Dell and their mother, Judy, may also need a place to stay. No problem, Ed's parents agreed. That weekend, Steve, Dell, and Judy arrived. What had originally been intended to be a three-day stay wound up stretching into more than three months. Judy, who was between jobs, had placed her furniture in storage. Her new job, which she had planned to start the following week, fell through unexpectedly. When presented with the situation and the opportunity to open their home, Wayne, Sue, and Ed, who was included in the decision, agreed it was the thing to do. As Ed later, Ed later explained to another friend, we have a large house with enough space to take them in, even though at least one of them had to sleep on the couch in the den most of the time. And even though at times it was uncomfortable having another family underfoot, we managed pretty well. When a new situation opened up for them, none of us was heartbroken, but it was good we could help them. They had a legitimate need and we were able to help. You know, we may not all be called to have some homeless people come and live with us, but most of us can be hospitable in some way. You know, it might be a meal, and it doesn't have to be a, an extravagant five-course meal. It could just be something very simple, just people joining in with you, with your family. Maybe it's a cup of coffee or a drink. We can, in doing so, we're demonstrating we value, love, and honour the people. What about the workman who calls by? What about the plumber or the electrician? How do you show hospitality to them? Yeah, they're coming to do you a job. Do you offer them a cup of tea? It's simple things like that, looking and grabbing those opportunities. How about Sunday lunches? Now, we want to be a church that's ready for anyone who walks through the door and welcoming. Maybe you make a decision that once a month you're going to cook that little bit extra ready in case someone comes through the door on Sunday and you can then invite them back to yours for lunch. It's those sorts of opportunities. We can grab them to be hospitable. But it's not just in our homes. We can be hospitable in the church. It starts the moment people walk through the door on a Sunday morning. We can sometimes forget what it's like to come to a church for the first time. It's a daunting thing. Even though it might be a whole load of Christians, it can be daunting. Now, we have an amazing welcome team here. And I just want to take this moment to honour you on the welcome team. You do a fantastic job at bringing people in, chatting to them, making them feel at home. But we can all help in that role. It's not just those who've got the polo shirts on. Now, welcome needs to be great for everyone who comes to that door, for the first-timers, as well as those of us who've been coming for 15 or more years. How can we do it? Well, get here early. 
Visitors often get here early, so make a point of being here, not running in after the worship starts, but being here, ready to welcome people, to chat to people. Have some questions ready. If you're not sure how to do that sort of chit-chat and that small talk, have some questions. Arm yourself. Hi, my name is... I'm not sure whether we've spoken before. Are you from Hatfield? How did you hear about KCC? How did you find the meeting? Have those questions over coffee. Have, arm yourself with a few questions that you can have those conversations. You can welcome people with a smile. It's so simple to do. We can all do it. That's something we all have, I think. Yes, I think we all have a smile. We can all manage a smile. Yeah, it just helps people know they're welcome. Show in interest in them. Ask them about what, what they like to do. So we can welcome, we can show hospitality in church, but we can also show hospitality wherever we go. You know, we might not have a home that we can invite people into. Maybe we're lodging. Maybe we don't have a space. But we can do it in church and we can do it wherever we go. We can set the tone of being a welcoming person, whatever context we're in. In the workplace, when we're in that context where we're meeting someone who's new, you know, it's nerve-wracking, isn't it? Many, all of us have been at a place where we've gone in somewhere we've not been before. You can be that person who reaches out, oh, it's so good to see you. You don't have to be the boss or the manager to do that. You can welcome a new colleague. You can welcome a new person who's coming into, a, a, I don't know, the toddler group or whatever it might be. In meetings, you know, in those work meetings, you can welcome people. Even if you're not the person who's the chair of them, you can still make people feel welcome. Smile at them. Hey, here's a seat for you. If it's in your power to do so, you can make sure there are things like biscuits, refreshments, whatever it might be, just to help people. Wherever we go, we can declare you are welcome. And not in the trite American response when someone's done something nice, you're welcome. But actually, you are welcome. We really appreciate you being here. We can show hospitality wherever we go through in our generosity, through our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. So, just as we conclude, we are called to be hospitable. We are called to be generous, to grab the opportunities. We need to be generous towards God, to fellow believers, but also to anyone. The opportunities to be generous are manifold. Wherever we go, we can seek to be generous with what we have. What is it you have got? Then that's what you can be generous with. It could be money, it could be time, it could be your ears, it could be resources, it could be a smile, it could be an encouraging word. What have you got? Be generous with it. Final quote for you. If you have money, be generous. If you have time, be generous. If you have a kind word, be generous. If you have a caring heart or gentle hand, be generous. If you feel the nudge to act in any way in any situation, be generous. Let's keep nudging each other. Let's spur one another on, as one of my favourite verses in Hebrews says. Spur one another on. Let's keep nudging along that generosity scale so that we really can be a generous people wherever, whenever we go and that we can change the atmosphere of this town, this area, wherever we set foot. Let's seek to demonstrate God's generosity that we have experienced to the world around us. You know, he keeps giving to us. Let's not be the bottleneck. Let's pass it on. Let's just channel it through. His goodness onto us, let's pass it on to others. Whatever we have, let's give it. I'd love us to finish these last few minutes just redirecting. Let's go back to the one who's given it all and continues to give it all to us. So the band, if you can come up and worship. Let's lead us in worship.
God's in this. God wants us to model something different to the world. He doesn't want us to be people who grab, 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 take, take, take. He doesn't want us to be consumers, but give us. Give us and generous in everything we are, everything we do. Now, we really can change the atmosphere. We really can change the places where we set foot through the way we treat people, the way we speak of people, the way we think about people. It's a high calling. We need God's help. We can't do it in our own strength. But as we meditate and we dwell on his goodness to us, it becomes that much easier. So let's do that again now. Let's redirect our gaze on him. Author and perfecter of our faith.